Welcome to the Green Element podcast, where we meet business leaders and innovators transforming their operations to be more environmentally and socially sustainable, and in the process help you on your journey of sustainability. I'm your host, Will Richardson. Today, we are speaking with Claire Campbell, the founder and tartan designer of Prickly Thistle. Prickly Thistle are an independent, ethical tartan brand based in the Scottish Highlands. Their brand is built around cultural restoration, artisan craft revival, rural liberation, and fiercely fighting for environmental and social justice. Claire, welcome. Oh, thank you, Will. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. So I'd just like to start by asking, how did you go from being a financial controlling consultant to setting up your own ethical tartan brand? Yeah, that's a good question. I should maybe ask you, how did I do it? I sometimes <laughs> why on earth uh, and, and you know, where I am. But I can tell you where I am. I've never felt prouder in terms of easy, you know, as a human being in terms of what I'm doing. But yeah, just... You know, I was very, very fortunate, got some really great commercial experience um, and, and and leaders in different sectors and different organisations um, and an accountant, um, as an accountant, sorry. And yeah, the transition that I've been seeing lately is nothing to do with the fact that tartan looks like a spreadsheet, you know, just, you know, it, it, it does, but it's, that's not the reason. That is definitely not the reason. But um, yeah, it, it was both a personal kind of um moment for me in the realization of actually you know what my children were a bit bit older they were sort of eight nine I was in my mid-30s things had happened in our in our personal lives um and I kind of just thought you know what's it all about um and what do you know you know life is so short and I was unfortunately working at the time in oil and gas and it kind of really made me realize do you know what Claire this is not good. Um, and I was very, very fortunate in terms of, you know, what we've been able to do with the kids, but I just wanted to give back. I wanted to be, you know, my kids to be super proud of mummy because she did something for so many other people other than we've been on our next holiday to a certain place or, you know, this kind of thing. So there was just this realization of, you know, what, 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 what is fulfillment, you know, and you very quickly become part of a bit of a rat race sometimes when you don't realize you kind of get scooped up and then yeah, tartan, you know, rebels, Highlander, you know, finance hat on due diligence. Oh my God, we have no mills in this region anymore. What is that all about? How did I not know this? You know, um, you know, just a passion for the for the the fabric, the the simpleness of the design aesthetics. And then my say accountant in me was like, okay, how big is this to Scotland? And um, who's doing what? And yeah, just really, really sad to see how small it become. Uh, and just um, yeah went on a bit of a two, three year sort of mission of mercy, got to know everyone in the industry, completely sympathised and had the, you know, the most respect for what a lot of them have endured in many respects. Um, But then you kind of take it and you look at it in the context of where we are today, 2021, and this whole sort of commercialisation, this unconscious consumerism, this mass manufacturing, this, you know, this, this huge disconnect where people with physical products that people don't know what it's made of, who made it and where it came from you know they just know it was on offer (laughs) um you know and it was in the other color that I wanted you know and I think that's not everyone but I think there was this huge disconnect so so yeah it's um it was a whole you know pot of of decisions and um yeah I just took the leap and decided actually you know failure is um is 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 you know 
failure's nothing. You've just got to try. So if it doesn't work out, then I can always say I tried. So, so yeah, so it was just kind of one of those moments I reached and um, I wanted to invest in something I really did. What does What does sustainability look like for you? as prickly thistle as a, yeah as a fabric producer so sustainability i mean it's for me it's become you know the, the whole fabric of the planet when you think of that you know as a statement um and for then of course we're working within fabrics it's iconic it is the the fabric of scotland and it's really thinking about tartan as a design being very symbolic of movements and challenges and courage and you know to stand up and battle and fight for what you believe in so sustainability for me is absolutely understanding this whole, um, you know, this less is more. We've become, I think, you know, and this is probably from an accountant as well, becoming such a kind of innovative um, path of destruction in many respects, you know, because it was to be innovate, innovate, innovate. How do we make more, quicker, faster with Industry 4.0, with less people? We then start looking at UNSD Eagles 4.0. You know, we don't, we're not creating jobs anymore. We're getting these, you know, these robots in. But sustainability is really about making less. It's really about creating jobs for people and making less. Um, it's then really doing everything you absolutely can throughout your supply chain. So that's where you source from, how you produce. We use green energy on site, we compost on site. Um, it's what you share with your consumers, but it's also how you actively work with your consumer and how they deal with that over the lifetime of the product. You know, and then ultimately the recovery, the recycling, the reuse of it. So I think I feel a huge responsibility for that complete circle. You know, I, I don't do everything in that circle, but because I'm part of that circle and the sustainable, the most sustainable thing I can do, responsible thing I can do is acknowledge that this, all of these things are hugely connected and I need to make sure that I'm, you know, I'm doing my best to source correctly, but also inspire and share with consumers the meaning of that so that we um, yeah, can be as sustainable as we can. I've read that your tartan is woven unique cloths on century-old legacy looms, which yeah. took two years to restore. Can you tell us a bit about the process and why you chose this method to create your products? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm just I'm just thinking here, sorry, Will, to interject. Can you hear the looms going at the moment? There's a little I bit of background. Can. I'm I can. I'm going to just push the door over. Okay, <laughs> okay. no problem at all. I'm really sorry, but you know, this no, no, is... You know what? <laughs> we are we are, you carry on and I'm actually going to do a bit of an, inter you can see that we are talking to someone that works in a real life loom factory. It, it's, it, a mill, a mill, a, mill, a, a loom, mill. a loom mill. Yeah. And so uh, I think that's good. I think it adds ambience. And, I'm, yeah, um, I'm not sitting in a fancy office anywhere. I'm literally sitting in an upcycled porter cabin that was used for a construction site. <laughs> an upcycled, upcycled oil and gas container on site that we've decked out um, and turned that into our pattern and cutting room. We've used upcycled pallets for flooring. We also now have an addition of an upcycled um, six berth static caravan that we've repurposed and reused for more space for our team. Obviously with COVID and social distancing, we're trying to create more pockets of space, but we're, we're very Womble-like. You know, for me, it's just having worked in construction at some point in my, my previous career, it was sh and they had a waste management facility. It was quite shocking at how much stuff would just be ripped out to be and, and really, you know, amazing, you know, materials. They weren't at end of life and not be used. So we're very waste not want not. And what's 
you know, minimum sort of carbon mileage. How do we get these things, source them locally, create the space, get super creative with it. Um, so yeah, so yes, yeah, so, so keeping it real, I'm sitting in this porta cabin here with you this morning, Will, and yeah, the team are out there and the looms were just going a little bit too much. <laughs> the door was left open. I thought, oh no, the listeners won't hear me, which might be a good thing. But anyway, I've shut the door. <laughs> what is it about the textile industry that motivated you to cement sustainable practices throughout your business? Yeah, I mean, it's, there's just so many levels of potential, um, you know, going back to this whole context of the fabric of the planet, you know, how do we mend that and how do we repair that? And I think for me, it's it's been a whole mish, you know, whole journey of enlightenment. You know, I did not know what I know three, four years ago with regards to how damaging fashion and fabrics are globally. You know, from climate change, maritime and aviation together, fashion is far more damaging. We're seeing the fast fashion frenzy, which is for me, I've been kind of trying to process it and trying to understand you know, what compels people to do that? And all I can think of it is it's like an addiction, you know, getting a high off buying something else, you know, where you're addicted to alcohol or something like that. But there's a real disconnect as to, you know, the sustainable implications of that, you know, and the slavery implications of that. So so in Scotland, part of my big due diligence piece and part of my real commitment to honour the integrity of a Scottish cloth, so many people were buying this product thinking, this is 100% Scottish. Well, <laughs> let's just maybe step back a bit. It used to be, um, but with the whole industrial revolution and you know going back over many, many decades, the whole industry literally declined into very, very few mills left. Seven out of 10 people in Scotland were employed in textiles. It was massive. It was our thing. Um, now the supply chain is hanging on by a thread and fair play to all of those who have stuck in there. It's been tough. They've had to compete on cost in some occasions, commoditize our clan system a little bit. And there was this whole lack of um, sort of cultural appreciation or provenance because the labeling, the identification of iconically Scottish fabrics, no one really knew if it was ever made in Scotland, myself included. So sustainability, I think, is something that we did so fantastically well 200 years ago. We used our natural flora and fauna for dyes. We used our natural you know, fibers. Um, plant and animal we made it locally we created garments to a zero waste pattern design and that's what we do with all of our products everything is zero waste i don't understand why you'd want to go and start cutting things in curves and wasting all this fabric on the floor for a garment that will only fit you if you stay that size for the rest of your life i'm all about you know get expanding with a good old kilt strap um, and make everything super you know you know lifetime proof and um, but we did this 200 years ago um it's it's a bit more difficult now that 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 whole supply chain is slightly fractured um and that's one thing that you know i've realized when we for me it was a mission about bringing back this this craft to the highland region because there was no weaving in the highland region but be creative and not compete with everybody else in the rest of the sector for me they do clan tartans they do so being sustainable as you know as a member of that industry is really important to respect what they do um but we've realized then and to really elevate our sustainability is that you know we need to do more again on natural fibers you know and natural dyes and we've been working on that for two years with academics edinburgh university um you know national manufacturing institute scotland you know with other government agencies zero waste scotland we we, we did a, a we're the only one in the country that's actually doing a mass subscription where we take back our our masks, which are made from wool, so they're 100% recyclable. 
they're reusable and um, they've been tested with the Institute of Occupational Medicine and we have been lobbying and being activists you mentioned it at the very opening there we have been hounding the politicians the Scottish government to tell us why at this stage right now because the plastic pandemic of single-use masks or fashion masks that have no testing whatsoever as a healthcare product quite often could be polyester as well and um, there's no framework to really think about the green agenda as well as the health crisis so we're the only ones in the country who we're not going to look at this as a fashion opportunity. And um, we looked at this to do the right thing. So we we have this mask subscription. We recover the masks from our customers every three to six months. We are stockpiling wool. We know it's inert waste if we want to go into the waste world. We know we can process that cleanly. We can actually create a value-added fibre coming out the back of it. So yeah, we're the only one dealing with the waste mask. And you know, and with COP26 and the green agenda coming, I mean, I was at a local um history site called the Clutie Well and um, we've got them across the country and um, the National picked up and it actually covered a story so Clutie Well is where people used to go with a piece of biodegradable fabric I mean back in the day that's all we had thank god they you know polyester has been an absolute disaster as far as I'm concerned um, and they would hang these rags and as these rags started to rot over time the ailment would be you know alleviate from that individual when I went there, the number of single-use masks, the number of surgical plastic gloves all tied to trees is nothing, you know, it's literally a landfill site now full of plastic waste. So, um, so yeah, so we're lobbying on on that. So we've done that, but that that's just really sort of um, symbol, sort of hopefully symbolic of our desire to always do the right thing and not the easy thing, you know. And, um, yeah, so going back to sustainability, I mean, we're here, we're doing one very small part of Scottish textiles manufacturing, which is weaving on these beautiful old looms, which do need people. So that's tech, jobs, that's what it was all about. Um, and we're powered from green energy. From day one, we paid a much higher tariff to Scottish Southern Energy to use the energy produced from wind and water. So we ran green energy and... Um, yeah, we've we've so we've been working on how we become a little bit more circular, how we influence our raw material sources. So we buy our yarns that are Scottish spun and dyed. I mean, we have a supply chain map on our website because I'm all about transparency. You know, maybe it's the auditor in me from the days gone by where you need to get that out there, gather the evidence clear and prove the <laughs> prove to folk. Um because what you, you know, I think it's sometimes really important that what you don't stand for really says what you do. Um, so, so I have a supply chain map there, but we, we, we are importing far too much fibres. You know, we saw last summer, you know, you know, the kind of first wave of the crisis, you know, all of the wool that was sitting in sheds just rotting. You know, this all of our Scottish wool is really pretty much has tweed exception and some amazing knitters and things like that and Jameson's and Shetland. It's going abroad for, for carpets and it's like rock bottom commodity prices. Farmers are just burning and burying fleece. I mean, it's biodegradable. It'll go back into the land. But it's, I mean, it's just, it's a beautiful, natural waste product of having flocks. You know, if we don't clip and trim them, that's, you know, we start to think about the animal welfare by not doing that. So we're not doing enough of that in Scotland. Um, so we want to bring that back. And then you really look at the other side in the textiles recycling. And this is where our massive integrity really started to accelerate that, is that we have no textiles recycling in Scotland. We have nowhere where we take, you know, any fabric and, and repurpose it. Textiles recycling, as far as I'm concerned, is not bailing it and shipping it to somebody else's doorstep. You know, that's not recycling. So, um, so yeah, sustainability, there's a huge amount of work to be done. 
I find that super exciting because it means you can make impact and um, it's trying to do that as a startup and respectfully share that with your consumers, respectfully share that with people within the industry, academics, politicians. Yeah, so yeah, just, just keeping going. Do you think that having a financial background and then also, I mean, let's face it, you're pushing water up hill to some degrees by running a business the way that you're running because you are going against the grain you are it is it is hard what you're doing do you think that adds benefit because at the end of the day you actually understand the bottom line so therefore you know what will make you bankrupt and what won't because you hear about a lot of small businesses going bankrupt or not ending well because of the finances yeah No, I mean, we have to be financially sustainable. And I work to an ethical margin. It's something I wish to go back to ICAS eventually one day, who trained me as a chartered accountant and say, can you teach all your students about ethical margin? I know there's gross margin and net margin, but let's talk about the ethics of it. Um, And and picking through the cost of the P&L in terms of supply chain and carbon. I think that would be amazing if accountants could start doing that. But um, yeah, it's really, really important. And for me, yeah, I mean, it's about taking... It's, it's, it's taking the right path, not the easy path. And yeah, daily, you know, and I'll say to everybody else involved in the business, you know, there is, there's a million things I'm quite sure you could just go and say, right, that's revenue raiser. Let's do it. You know, let's, let's, we can do a thousand. We can do a million. We can do this. We can do what, you know, there is all of that. But I personally, I can't do that because I feel like when I know something like, for example, this issue with regards to not having a framework for reusable and recyclable mass in this country. You know, we have got, we're creating a massive waste problem. We're talking about green recovery. We put 10p on plastic bags. What on earth are we doing when we've done, we've created a a solution and we've got the whole industry ready to go behind it. So because I know that and I still do not have an answer because a link to the NHS procurement site for supplying medical mass from one minister is not quite answering my question so I'm 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 terrible to I really want to take something to the end of the line so I sacrifice probably because you're one person with one 24 hours in the day but for me that is the right thing you know I know what I know silence is saying that I think that is okay when it's not okay so it's um but I do have to remember I've got a team here I'm wholly responsible for for them their safety their their security, you know, and their well-being, you know, they have families, they have commitments. So, so it's difficult because you're torn, you know, you have to be financially sustainable, but then it's not just seeing, you know, it's in the process, final stages of being B Corp approved, hopefully. So, I mean, for me, it's really important that I do put people on plan at first before profit. Profit still has to be there to stay, (laughs) to stay in existence. And so, yeah, there's times, don't get me wrong, where you go, oh my God, right, what am I going to do? And um, yeah, but I hopefully, yeah, with my background, it allows me to see these things in advance and not past the point of, right, we've lost it. So so I run, you know, I, it runs close, but it's based, it's all on integrity and principles, I, you know. I think I think you'll fly through the B Corp certification. We're one of the first B Corps in, in the UK. And um, so I know the certification well, having gone through it three times now. Um, but yeah, I didn't want to bring up B Corp because I, I don't think, you know, I don't think it's right to be pushing everyone down that path. I just find it interesting that you've just brought it up. I'd love to talk to you about ethical margin. You just brought it up. So what do you mean by ethical margin? 
Yeah, I mean, ethical margin, first and foremost, is transparent. You know, I am now toying with how much, you know, we've got a whole pile of, my audit file, if you like, of evidence of activism and what we've been doing. Um, and the fact that we've got nothing to hide whatsoever um, is actually, you know, um, by leading by example, by what we share publicly and what we're trying to encourage potentially in the future for a legal transparency change, um, especially when um, you're claiming to be of a certain, you know, certain philosophy, you know, greenwashing, whether you're getting support from the government, you know, in the form of a grant, what are you doing with that? I think there needs to be a whole level of accountability and transparency yeah. for businesses. Yeah. So totally it's, it's leading by example. Um, so we're so I'm calculating and plotting as my now rebel um, rebel kind of way of life to how we can actually go and do all of this because it's all about it's walking the walk as opposed to just talking. Um, so ethical margin is really about transparency, um, because and it's it's not um, you know and it's it's just yeah for me. It's challenging people's perceptions. So this is consumers about fair pricing, a complete disconnect possibly around the fact that a T-shirt being cheaper than a cup of coffee is seriously wrong. Seriously, seriously wrong. It's not a bargain and you buy five, you know. But people don't know. And I was I did that five years ago. I was, you know, I was there with the kids and going, oh, we'll buy this one. We'll get that one for Charlie and get that one for Paul. And, you know, and it was just nuts. Um, we didn't need them. They, you know, they wore them two or three times and then six months later, they're into the next size. So it's consumers. Um, so ethical margin around understanding what you're funding, ethical margin in terms of reporting the transparency, ethical margin in terms of how our government, and we, and we operate in a, you know, we live in a great country where they're really supportive of, you know, stimulating, you know, creative thinkers and real world leaders, you know, to make the world a better place. Um, but how we do that and and who we fund you know with taxpayers money i have to question many much of that and i think the the measures and the programs in place through all the various agencies ethical margin for me every time i've kind of gone and spoken to all these people and it's been interesting as an accountant to come in at startup level usually you know you're sitting there and have a conversation with the bank about you know five-year projection for investment in a 10 million hydro scheme or something but i'm sitting here as a little startup going there when you're doing what with 100 year old looms they just looked at me like i was absolutely nuts what on earth are you doing you're an accountant you know this is like everybody's leaving this sector but when i was presented with how they analyzed you know they're they're all the all these you know they're and that's their job but the fact that they all only focused on turnover and job creation you know they had there was no questions over right what is your supply chain? Where are you buying your products from? How much of that is actually within, you know, sustainable, ethical, if it's a Scottish product, how much of that is actually got integrity? How much of it is a Scottish supply chain? So there was no drill down of the P&L. It was literally the vanity of a turnover and the number of jobs created. And yeah, so I mean, that frustrated me because when you were trying to, you know, to build a sustainable company, it's going to be a bit slower, you know, sustainable is about you know and, and and that that really frustrated me because i felt that was so unfair to so many other people out there trying to do something that's really important and they're up against this you know siloed way of thinking so ethical margin it's yeah it's and then you go to the likes of you know the world of accountancy you know how do we report and, and on that i mean i know we've got different accounting policies about um you know sustainability and stuff like that coming through but i think I would love to see a PL based on, you know, carbon 
I'd love to see a P, you know, to really bring that into the financial reporting of these big corporates that actually becomes part of that international accounting standard and audit arena. This is this is really exciting. Um, <laughs> I, I actually really want to take. I probably I actually want to take this kind of. I'm putting my adverse comments uh, yeah. offline because yeah. because of what we do. Because we're you know we're a carbon reporting organisation yeah. and helping organisations be more sustainable. I wonder if you and I could hatch yeah. a plan around it and use both of our companies as um, a case study Absolutely. because um, I'm totally with you on absolutely all of that and what's been really interesting about doing this podcast for so many years and interviewing um organizations like yourself is that is a very common theme and it is people grow slowly because um they are wanting to do the right thing they're not running into it you know i've been around for 20 years and we've only got we're now on the scale up yeah. You know, 20 years later, we're on the scale yeah. up because I've got everything in the right place. I feel really happy with yeah. where we are. And um, it's so common that it's it's really it's really, really interesting. And so what is it that you are doing that's different to other competitors from a sustainable point of view? Gosh, um, I mean, from from competitors, when you say competitors, who are we talking about? We're talking about other textiles brands or other tartan brands? Yeah, uh, let's say, let's, um, I was thinking tartan makers, tartan brands, but um, maybe if you want to widen it out. Yeah, I mean, because one, I mean, one brand that we do aspire to and we do... I, you know, I'm personally, I love his his own journeys. Yvonne Chouinard, the founder of Patagonia. You know, I just think that's incredible what he's done. So I get torn between tartan, talking about tartan and fashion and people sometimes going a bit Royal Mile or a bit, you know, Sebesky Stewart's or, you know, and, and that's all there. And that's, and I respect that. So, um, so yeah. Um, and in terms of what makes us different, well, I suppose in the sense that we are, um, for, for most, there's one or two other mills out there, certainly they're using um, the older looms, but I think our personality, our identity. I mean, we are, we're hopefully trying to be more transparent about what we're doing. We're, we are challenging way more um, in terms of getting back to that holy Scottish product. Um, we have, yeah, I mean, I've just got the huge amount of respect for, for, for everyone in the industry. So I don't see them as competitors because I try not to do the same thing as them. Do you know what I mean? So I've got, I respect their journey. I respect their models. I respect where they are, but I see them as not direct competition because we're trying to be complementary to what they're doing and trying to help grow and get, in many respects, get the industry back to where it was 200 years ago with a bit more advancement in terms of health and safety, I suppose, in some respects. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so yeah, I mean, that's maybe a bit of a rubbish cop-out of it, but um, yeah, we try to be so different um, because the way, I mean, if you look at our fabrics, you look at our designs, you look what we're creating, you know, they are, I think they are quite aesthetically different in some respects. Um, and our messaging and our voice and our personality, I think, is is maybe slightly different to um, other textiles, tartan mills, you know. But yeah, I've just got the huge amount of respect for them. So I try to be, you know, they're apples, I'm a pear. You know, I think we're different. And what is it that you... I mean, you've actually touched upon this through the 
discussion with you the environmental management side of the um, of your organization i mean do do you carbon footprints no absolutely i mean we have got a long list of things we want to do will and we have not um ha- done our carbon calculations yet i have gone by purely like with the masks, when I, you know, contacted them week one of lockdown, said we might want to mask up folk in the community. You know, that's maybe where that's spreading. I I run on instinct. You know, being an accountant trained to logically plan and do things, I still use my gut instinct for many things. So if it seems like actually that is the best possible thing you can do right now, then without having, you know, without having to go and prove it as such, and when I say prove, then I say I do want to prove things. I throw in the context of my startup scenario and go, I we can't pay consultants to go and do, you know, we don't have a senior management team where I can deploy to my QHSE department or I can deploy to my marketing department, you know. So literally it was me for the first couple of years between, you know, working in the office, doing the finance, doing the marketing, cleaning the loo at the weekends, you know, getting my mum in to help me, trying to, you know, bribe my daughter who's now 14 come on help mommy do this oh mom it's so boring at the mill you know trying to so you don't have that luxury but it does keep you super connected to your business you know and I think for me all of that decisions were gut instinct based you know and for me so we look at you know from our toilet paper you know we source our toilet roll from who gives a crap a great company where we you know we use recycled toilet paper and they put profits to various sort of sanitary charities so everybody here at the mill and say there's 12 of us we're always looking at could we do this better could we get an alternative you know you know when we're obviously got a lot more cleaning materials now but we sourced all the environmentally friendly you know multi-purpose cleaners that we could get we've got a whole range of composters on site because i used to work for the waste company i got all their broken bins and we've got them all lined up there <laughs> and our waste wheel goes in there with grass cuttings and we're trying to create our own compost and um, as i say the green energy and um, our packaging you know we put in a little recycled card and we encourage our customers to know exactly what to do with their packaging we can reuse it do a craft project with with the kids you know it's biodegradable tissues you know all of these types of things we have stuff on our website so yeah so we haven't carbon calculated it but we look at you know even the tiniest thing we look at and go actually there is a better option um and things like as an accountant many years ago i would be saying switch the lights off because this will reduce the the electricity bill now we go we're burning energy we don't need to guys let's switch off so it's just for me, it kind of goes back to common sense. I would love to do it because I would be so excited to see how good we are, hopefully. But yeah, the startup, you know, you, yeah. you, it's... No, it, I get it. No, I get depends, it. You know? <laughs> We're actually free to any turnover under £300,000. So, oh, well, um, we, we will we'll be talking offline then. Okay. I would love yeah. to do it just okay. to, to see how we could cool. improve even more. Yeah, that And as our listeners know, I don't actually usually talk about... Um, our own business but sorry sorry for doing no, it. i actually I feel guilty really for saying well, it now <laughs> it's important because it does help people people are so keen to do it and there could be little kind of holes in the bucket that this just maybe wasn't that obvious to them and even going through the process i know will probably make them think oh i could do this better so no fab right Finally, greenwashing is a massive problem throughout the world and the textile industry is unfortunately affected by this too what would you suggest to our listeners to look out for when purchasing textiles? No, it's, it's, I talk about this on a daily basis, to be honest. I mean, you know, talking about, I saw, I don't know if it was Forbes or Vogue or somebody was talking about this new sexy style digital QR codes that are going to tell you X, Y, Z and labeling or whatever. And I think labeling, labels can say whatever they want. You know, they're, they're, they're put on something. And I think 
for me as a consumer, because they hold all the power, you know, governments will change things on a lag basis. You know, people can change, can close down an industry or an organization if they feel fundamentally they're doing something wrong tomorrow because they just don't buy their stuff anymore. So, you know, so what for me, it's, it's absolute transparency. It's going on their websites. It's looking at their socials. It's have they got their CSR policies, environmental policies, their modern slavery policies. Um, if they don't have any of this anywhere on their website, then you have to question who's made it, what's it made of, and where it's made. If you can't get those three basic questions answered, then you have to question what are you funding by buying that product? First of all, you need to go, actually, do I need it? If you don't, then don't, you know, <laughs> you know, just reuse and repurpose something in the wardrobe. But um, yeah, the, I mean, the labeling side is it frustrates me a little bit around that because it's even like the Made in Scotland label or designed in Scotland label. And I think it's actually down to it's not just putting a label on or like wearing a T-shirt saying I support X, Y, Z. It's like that's like just talking, not walking. A label's just talking. Walking has to be clear through the DNA of your business, which is clear on, you know, the benefits of social media and things like that now I think you know I think that's where people should just actually um, hopefully spend a little bit of time and getting answers to those questions go on their social media channels go into Instagrams go into Twitters ask them can you tell me where this is made you know can you tell me you know how I should recycle it you know ask 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 because I think you know at the end of the day corporates if they don't have customers anymore you know they'll eat, go out or they will change well, Colette, thank you so much for joining us today. No, thank you. It's been fun. <laughs> it's been brilliant. It's been brilliant. Um, and thanks for listening to the Sustainable Business Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's content, why not join our post-podcast discussion in our online community at sustainabilitysolve.org. We'll be sharing ideas and collaborating on sustainability and textiles with our members. Join now and find a space to collaborate with like-minded professionals, learn more about sustainable business and inspire others to become more environmental. We also have an important update for our listeners. We will soon be changing the name of this podcast to Sustainability Solved to better reflect the content of our podcast. You will still be able to access all your original podcasts on your preferred platform. And do, if you enjoy the podcast, please make sure you subscribe so you get every episode and don't forget to follow Green Element on LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram.